0: Welcome, everybody, to Bar Talk episode 20. I am your host, John Foley. Uh, with me, as always, Courtney Booms. Hello. Mark Miller. Hello, hello. Coming to you from the Relief and Resource in Fenton, Michigan, courtesy of iLogic Media. Please check out their other content if you have not. But today is the first in our, uh, what is, will be a series of, of episodes where we talk about people in the industry that have made a, a gigantic difference. And it was very easy to choose the first one because we're going to dive right into David Wondrich cocktail author historian and a a really a massive influence on anybody who does this job and also reads about it.
1: Yeah. In, in like an entirely serious tone at the very least.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And his influence on the resurgence of classic cocktails in contemporary bartending is, um, immeasurable. Mm -hmm. Plus he's really smart and really funny and, um, our bar is in a tiny little town, so he'll probably never come here. But if he does, we'll make him a great drink. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the gentleman because he's he's um, he's well-published.
1: He's well-published. He's yeah. an academic.
0: He is an academic. He's awesome. he's an academic first, and then he came to cocktail writing afterwards. But mm-hmm. you've got the bio, and we'll talk yeah. a little bit about him as we go along. But we're, we're going to learn about the gentleman today.
1: Yeah, so I've got like a mini biography if we wanted to start off with that and then maybe talk about his writings and then some projects and whatnot. Yeah, including- and I'm
0: going to probably be guilty of focusing on one book That's more okay. than the others because I think that book is probably one of the most four or five uh, important books that you can have on a on a cocktail library, yeah. on a beverage library, because there's lots of great beer and wine books, wine, books about service. But if you have a cocktail library, this book is quintessentially important. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of going over brief biography first david Wondrich was originally from uh, i believe i'm pronouncing this right monongalia pennsylvania which is about 17 miles uh, south of pittsburgh so basically pittsburgh adjacent
0: coal country yeah coal steel country, Ooh, country. yeah
1: <laughs> a lot of times you like for instance we're in fenton if i'm traveling and no one knows what the heck is fenton i say like it's flint adjacent that kind of same idea yeah. um
2: and it's not fenton it's, it's fenton
0: so fenton. this is more deer hunter <laughs> than rocky yeah sure. In yeah, sure. Philly, yeah. Deer sure. Hunter was more Pittsburgh adjacent.
1: Speaking of Rocky, from a young age, uh David Wondrich had aspirations of becoming a rock star. Um he was a musician. Not a he boxer, played... though. No, no, <laughs> just the just the word rock. Uh, I have to make associations for the jump sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Go rock. So <laughs> yeah. Stop
0: it. That is the first I'm sorry. That's the first <laughs> and last Bob Seger reference on the show, or I'm gonna tear it all down. You so can't
1: get the copyrights anyway, Mark. Come on, no, but it.
0: it's just oh. Uh, all right, all
1: right. <laughs> so, David Wondrich, he does have major dreams of becoming a rock star, um, but he has a propensity for academics. So, um, he's really good at school, but he does drop out of college to try and uh, he just like plays gigs and in, in local bars. Um, he's in New York at this point. He's mostly uh, sipping Gibson martinis. That was his go-to when he's in the old man bars, I because mean, if he yeah. tried to order anything else, um, I think in an interview he called them woo-woo drinks. Anything that involved more uh, 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 than like Wooters? three ingredients, you would get shit canned possibly, or just like generally. you become a woo girl. Yeah. 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 So well, it's funny because I drink
0: Gibson's too when I first started like getting into cocktails. Good. And I think it's because I just, I still to this day don't like olives in my martinis. Yeah. And I couldn't like We've get, <laughs> I never had a proper lemon zest <laughs> in a martini. So I ordered Gibson's because I thought they were super cool mm-hmm. and it didn't end up tasting salty. Yeah. At the end. I think the rock star yeah. thing is interesting too. Like you see, It's something like you make fun of in this industry. Like, oh, well, you were a musician, but you couldn't be a musician, so you're a bartender. bartender. You couldn't couldn't Mm -hmm. write the great American novel or (laughs) (laughs) your acting career clearly stalled, so you're a bartender. But I think that's what also makes this industry kind of interesting because you do have a lot of people who have great – artistic interests and are and have a ton of adjacent stuff yeah that they're really into and then that informs the service and the and the culture well personal charisma places. even yeah. can
1: really make a make the difference yeah so for that's a good it's a funny in one too. hand it but it so, also, it's also it's
0: what makes a lot of bars cool
1: Yeah. So he's, I mean, generally he's enjoying the atmosphere of the bar life, but eventually he turns about 25 and quote says, if you didn't make it to the stardom by the age you were 25, it was unlikely to happen. So he returns to academics. He finishes his degree. Uh, He has a doctorate in comparative literature. Um, He got that from New York University and uh, eventually he finds work as a Shakespeare and freshman comp professor on Staten Island at St. John's University.
0: Good basketball team, usually.
1: I didn't know that. Um,
0: sometimes they sneak up
1: you know he's a he's a junior professor when he starts just like anyone who starts you kind of have to work your way up but he didn't really like it uh he was mostly told by higher administrators or older professors like to do all this work that he didn't really want to do because he's on committees right so he's been delegated this work
0: well because it's not all teaching
1: yeah it's not all teaching it's a lot more than that like bartending
0: like the, the when you see us bartend that's
1: that's just a show that's a
0: small part of it yeah because there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into the actual service of a bar. The background is a lot more, um, yeah. but
1: but yeah, I mean, in in general, he's his mentality is like I don't want to be here any more than any of my students do, so he starts um, he starts trying to find ways out of it, so to speak. His wife is supportive of him finding a different career. He loves music, so he goes to jazz clubs and he he writes um, critics or critiques of jazz music that he listens to. Eventually, some of his friends see that, and uh, one of them ends up being. Um, he owns a subsidiary of Esquire magazine. He wants him to start writing for him. And then eventually Esquire magazine specifically asks him to start writing drink reviews, um, kind of bringing up old classic drinks, the Manhattan, the Martini, etc., cetera, daiquiri, and kind of writing like little blurbs about that once a week for their newspaper. And he's making pretty good money for that.
0: And then they're, they're the lit comp yeah. and the history and the desire to tell stories and all of it kind of just
1: Wraps dovetail. Up. Yeah. yeah. And
0: interestingly enough, uh, I think Harvey Pekar, the, the comic book artist also wrote jazz reviews.
1: I didn't Like know in that. the spare time. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really cool.
0: Yeah, because he was always going to like thrift stores and and garage sales and trying to find like, you know, cheap ass copies yeah. and
1: stuff. So if you want like a better job, just start writing jazz right. reviews and then maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'll go to a higher no, now No, now it's really sad. It's like, you know, you don't write jazz reviews. You just write lists. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> Top I found- 15 jazz albums to help you get over. Yourself.
2: Well, you really got it's well, Tuesday. It's within the title that you really sell it, so you get those. It's clickbait, you know. This is what oh, it is. Yeah. It's the
1: uh, the jazz influencer, if
0: you like. Five jazz albums that are super influential and five that are overrated. <laughs> Do you want to hear <laughs> the, the most, bunch of ads in between?
2: <laughs> the most pretentious, self indulgent saxophone solo is in this song. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's it.
1: But he naturally cool. falls into the role being a, a curioso of drinks and having drank. Plenty of places when he was a musician and, and generally being curious,
0: right? So And he's in New York, which makes that a lot easier. Oh, super easy. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Compared to Mon- Monogalia, potentially. I don't really know. But, <laughs> yeah, not to diss you, Monogalia. monogalia.
0: <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs> but, uh, Knuckle sandwich is what you're going to get.
1: <laughs> Basically, his start with Esquire meant he was able to use his interest in drink drinking, drinking culture, um, and combine it with his training to do archival and educational-based research. So he, he not only is he writing like little snippets and anecdotes, um, eventually he starts uh, from those shortened little paragraphs to delve deeper into the history, categorizing drinks into different families, which is something we do today and have mm-hmm. mentioned before for other writings um, like Death & Co or Dead Rabbit, Yes, um, and researching ingredients lost to the annals. So um, like uh maraschino liqueur uh luxardo maraschino oh, liqueur yeah. we use that in tons of drinks it's readily available now but at the time that he was doing this around 90s around the late 90s early 2000s like you'd have to special order that or have someone smuggle yeah, them when into I you from like it
0: europe in fenton yeah in the in the early 2000s it was i it was hard to carry all the time because i don't think the ordering on the state level was up to the demand that you know right. of us bartenders wanted yeah, and but I, I think that's what, and we'll get into this more with the Jerry Thomas book. But what Wunderlich was always really concerned about, and what I think is is awesome, is the families of cocktails and the builds and yeah. these classic builds that that were used back then that can still be applied now. And he was always writing about how, okay, this is how they did it then, this is how you do it now. Right. This is the best way to do it now in a modern setting. And that's invaluable stuff for somebody who's learning how to bartend. Yeah,
1: recipe updates basically, yeah. for like lack of better words. Some of those ingredients aren't findable, but you can find something similar, and if you modify your sweet because this is yeah. drier, yeah.
0: Yeah, and this is what vermouth tasted workaround. like then, and that's why the proportions were that way, but vermouth tastes like this now, and this is why you should do it right. this yeah. way now. and. Oh, a bunch of his recipes have that. And that was really, really yeah. useful.
1: And we've mentioned this a couple of times too, that like Vermouth came along a lot later than a lot of people I think think of Vermouth yeah. coming because it's like what in like the eighties? Eighteen seventies. Yeah, eighteen eighties, eighteen seventies.
0: Could you imagine like <laughs> Oh boy. Gotta come with me to the bar. Get a load of this new stuff. It's really Call the Vermouth. And knock you right on your keister. I love your. <laughs> I love your. your this, this is, this is my old timey. Old timey Yeah. <laughs> <old-timey voice>. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apparently he's an old good. Yeah. Good. Yeah.
0: Come on, be a are We to check ball. out that new baseball. And have some vermouth.
1: Have you heard of those? <laughs> in Don't have skiters? too many of or You end up trolley
0: car in San Francisco. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> Nothing like some ballpark hot dogs and vermouth. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> well you, but like you see it in um, in Oscar Wilde too. They were drinking hock and soda. Yeah. But hock yeah. is just. Yeah vermouth yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but vermouth was hotness it's like was an americano yeah it a big deal it's it all hit. the rage yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so of course like we were saying um he does write for esquire He's writing about these things like drink recipe changes but he's also talking about um like top bars in the area he's also talking about um he, he writes thoughtful articles about like how to enjoy a, a crappy bar like how to make yourself uh, at home which we did in our uh, second episode, episode yeah <laughs> um a lot of my favorites, or I'm going to, I'm going to list a couple favorites that I just, I've gotten subscription to Esquire magazine uh, doing this research and started like just reading a couple articles randomly. Because
2: of course she did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> research <laughs> thorough. Um, one was how to give a better toast from the February 2020 issue. Oh, you got to send me that
0: because so many people are crappy yeah, at giving toast. This is why
1: I like the article. He's very sarcastic oh, in it gosh. a lot about like what you, what you expect, what you see, and then what you should be doing. So it's a really good Oh,
0: one. don't make it about you. Right. Please don't make it about you. <laughs> and that thing that you say that you're saying that you think is funny that you said it every toast since college—it's not funny. It's not funny. Yeah, Everybody it's not funny. thinks it's super, super lame.
1: We don't need your dad jokes on a toe. Ugh. We don't. Okay. No. Uh, other ones are how to how cocktail culture survived prohibition in World War Two. This is a much more serious article. I really enjoyed that one. September uh, twenty fifteen is when it came out. Uh, when it comes to champagne bottles, go big or go home. An endorsement of the Magnum. Yeah. December two thousand and fifteen. I am also this way about like certain session or on beers or German <laughs> beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Bigger better. Bigger better. Yeah, well, but no, but time. it is like like magnums in larger size. Bottles, et etc., Jeroboams or Jeroboams—I never ever pronounce that word. Um, that is better for for wine to sit.
1: Well, and the fermentation, the bubbles, like it actually yeah. continues to to make interesting spirit in there as it sits in and those giant bad ass I love and, that and
0: cracking a magnum of champagne. For yeah, a, for a, when people walk in,
1: especially if there's just like two of you.
0: <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I only have up 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 in here. So many. <laughs> cubes of cheese and a, and a minimal amount of crackers. But I, but do I have, have, this is going to get weird. <laughs> yeah. Champagne.
2: I also have a saber for it. So here we go. <laughs>
0: can you saber? up?
2: Can I absolutely not? <laughs> I can. Really? Yeah fixer didn't have on the next episode well, of this podcast I would,
0: <laughs> a, I would definitely need to practice but i can i can saber a bottle.
2: we should do that and we'll insert it into an episode one time like, this is john sabering
1: just like cut mid- yeah, yeah i'd,
0: I'd have, have to practice it. but it's been like years but i can i can do it i was oh, sabering a bottle at the in the adjacent like catering kitchen area of the event space for the laundry not in the restaurant proper yeah. i was practicing so i had it in the freezer i had it stored, you know and i'm like i'm gonna practice with a couple bottles before new year's eve so i can do it on new year's eve in the bar and i, I right as i'm about to strike poor ashley um ashley burton who is who used to work there she's oh, cut yeah. she comes out of the bathroom and, and i just let just... it go and the neck this <laughs> thing <stick> flies right <laughs> by her face oh my and gosh. she like stops dead in her tracks i'm like i almost killed you and she's like that was really cool, but really scary. So, <laughs> like, if, you Rock, know, and if you're home. gonna practice savoring a <laughs> bottle, like, don't do it around other people. I almost <laughs> killed somebody. She's she's a mother of, of twins now, and and it's really, lovely. Really, lovely. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. glad I didn't take that from her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eyeball. Yeah. Sorry. Ash. By way of champagne. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so I mean, Esquire uh, is where he got his start, but he does continue to write. So uh, to do a quick bibliography, if you will, um, you first have Esquire Drinks, an opinionated and irreverent guide to drinking. So it's basically a collection of a lot of his um, little articles about certain drinks um, and it's a continuation from that in said magazine. It hits shelves in 2004, excuse me, actually happened because another um, publishing house uh, started publishing David Wondrich's articles from Esquire, a mm. book that Esquire had set out before him, but had included his articles. And so Esquire, uh, they didn't ask for any permission from them. So they were just like, fuck it. We're just going to have yeah. David Wondrich send us another book We're we'll gonna publish it online. They yeah. yeah. said, fuck so, like, it. We'll do it live. We'll do it yeah. live.
0: Okay, we'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> and you can Google still to this day. You can just go in and Google like the Manhattan Wondrich and you'll just get, it'll come up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On any of the stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, The next release he has for books is Killer Cocktails. It's mainly a guide to building your home bar um, and includes tons of classics, obviously. So that came out in 2005. In 2007, he uh, publishes Imbibe. So that's arguably his most uh, famous cocktail book. Yeah, Um, It's basically a deep dive into Jerry Thomas's contributions, um, but he writes particularly eloquently. It's funny. It's informative. um, It's a fantastic book. It does win the James Beard Award. And uh, it gets it should re- give it two more, two more beer awards. Sure.
0: Why he's not? Nominated just dust <laughs> yeah. Just dust another one off and give it to him for that book. That book is so important.
1: It's really good. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, so I have you. some excerpts I'm going to read from him because he's a fantastic writer.
1: Right. Yeah. We'll go with we'll, we'll, we'll we'll, that in just a minute. Though. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, whenever you tell me it's okay. <laughs>
1: it's okay. <laughs> um, he, it's published in 2007 right. and then republished again in 2010. Um, shortly after uh, he did, he did, excuse me, republished in 2012 in 2010, he writes punch. So it's a similar um, design for the book. For those who just saw the one that John has, I've got mine here. This is punch. Um, It's the same idea. It's a historical basis for, for the, uh, for the first social cocktail, if you like, which is the
0: punch bowl. And him, and him expanding on a chapter of the imbibe book and just getting a whole nother book out of it. It was just a a short, there's so much more. There's a lot of history in punch huge in that, history in punch. that particular uh, book
1: is the first mixed cocktail so to speak
0: yeah the first time yeah. you put stuff together mm. instead of drinking it on its own
1: yeah and then his most recent publication is the oxford companion to spirits and cocktails a project he completed with a uh, fellow daily beast writer um noah rothbaum
0: an absolute beast of the book yeah that and is it was a very published hefty, in october of 2020, right <laughs>
1: 2021 um, John, you got this recently uh, for the bar, so I think you yeah. dipped your toe in it a little bit. And but-
0: it's a reference book. It's not you don't have to read it A to Z. I mean, it's, no, it's like an encyclopedia. You, of correct, and yeah. it, it's a book that's very, very useful if you want to have, if you're somebody who's cultivating a complete knowledge of spirits and cocktails, and you want to be able to reference and have on hand something to say about anything. Mm-hmm. And it's it covers industry luminaries it covers spirits it covers distillation it covers regional history it's
1: it's as easy as like so a guest asks you what's falernum you give them a short answer you decide you'd like to go a little bit deeper into it you find falernum in this book
0: yeah and And even if you want to acquire a couple sentences to say about that right you would
1: dip your toe in it you
0: would yeah and it's i think it's really cool to have around if we have you know younger people who want to learn more oh yeah you could say okay well you know if somebody asks you exactly what that is at a table it's okay to say well i this is what i know about it i'll find out more and then you know before your next shift you can go to that book and look at it and
1: and then when they're educate
0: yourself a little bit or what i also find useful is if a guest asks what's falernum and i have have the book at hand i mark the page and then physically throw the book at them yes this yes. book. This yes. book. Yeah, yes. and I don't do like a little loft. I really kind of thor like I, I yeah. hammer it. Yeah. get an axe yeah. throwing. Yeah, full thing, rotation. And if they can yeah. catch it, they get a full a free drink. And if they don't catch it, they get a free bruise. <laughs> bruise, <from the> book, <laughs> not brew. Bruise. From the yeah. yeah.
1: All right. I will never ask you a question about drinks while sitting at your bar, oh, especially <laughs> <I'm afraid> not. You <laughs> <to> learn them.
0: <laughs> no, it's we just got it, so we're still yeah. kind of waiting our way through it. But it's exactly what I expected from Wondrich. Yeah. Comprehensive, extraordinarily well-written, and and just deeply useful. He has a good understanding of what an industry person or somebody who's who's got an academic interest in the subject matter needs from him as a writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this would be the point where I'm like, you can talk about Imbibe now if you like. Yeah. Because because uh, we've switched into just a general bibliography to kind of deep diving into the books. Sure. Imbibe is next. Also, for those of you who have been watching this podcast, if you see Mark's arm kind of tweak over every once in a while. We got some new sound we equipment. And he's sound really sound excited Yay! to play with it. We are very excited. Yeah. And it makes me sound louder. I does, told you about
0: touching does. the microphone. Oh, man, listen, listen. Are we we have, don't want the fuzzy we wuzzies. We <laughs> don't want <laughs> fuzzy the fuzzy wuzzies. Is, oopsie doopsies. He was yeah, only a bear. None of that.
2: So, and we don't want it.
0: So one of the things that I think is, is just unbelievable about this book, and he, what he's doing is he's kind, of, he's kind of looking at the history of cocktails through, through one man and one man's era, at least at first, it's Jerry Thomas. So he's writing about Jerry Thomas, who was the first superstar bartender by virtue of oh, being yeah. the first bartender who wrote any of this shit down. Like, he's the first one to put recipes down on paper.
1: A Bonviance
0: Guide, bon guide to to a bon companion, Drinking Companion. Yeah, yeah. a Bonviance yeah. bon Companion. And he he did at the time something that was considered, you know, like something you don't do, which is write all this stuff down. Like, he didn't believe that the recipes were um, something that you had to keep secret. He wanted to share them. Right. Which, you know, Jerry Thomas, not Wonders, but Jerry Thomas. And he essentially is using this to be the first bartender to truly build his own brand. Yes. Like this is me. I'm the dude. I got the, the, the brass buttons on my vest. Right. I'm the showiest, you know, motherfucker out here. Come drink at my bar because I know it. And I'm so confident about it. I'm going to tell you how to do it.
1: And that's like, he has a deep love for Jerry Thomas, he loves because Jerry Thomas. He's like literally the first, you said bar star. I said, entertainment bartender. Um, Same idea in he writes this manual in 1862 he had had at that point uh bars in new york in cleveland i want to say he had been all over cincinnati yeah cincinnati maybe instead of cleveland new orleans uh san francisco he had already hit there as well wonders um, talks
0: about this and i love this phrase the sporting crowd yeah, 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 and you know the throw, idea of being a sport.
1: Yeah, he throw those blue blazers over his head like yeah. so, and it's fire raining down, and people are freaking out and having a good time. He had a bar underneath PT Barnum's uh, American Museum on Broadway in New York, which is awesome. And at this spot, it had bowling, it had dancing. You could go to the museum. You could the first come entertainment down. bar. The first entertainment bar. One of the things that he focuses on there is a shooting range where he's actually hired oh, ladies from PT Barnum and. They're, all these ladies are just sitting there, chilling with their rifles, and they're like, "You think you could shoot a shot against me? You
0: think you can make
1: this uh, make this shot instead of me?" And these guys are getting repeatedly drunk, like continuously
0: drunk, and they're just like, "Yeah, I can,
1: yeah, I got to shoot something better than you. Of course I can." <laughs> and they'd be like, "Well, I'll get you another free drink if you can shoot that."
0: Anymore. Watch this, yeg. Yeah, he's five brandy crosses in. He's gonna slurp down another. <laughs> no way, he'll outshoot old Hillary. <laughs>
1: But these ladies were she like didn't trained, they didn't know that they were like trained professionals and so they yeah. just get lit as heck
0: <laughs> just what trying an awesome to game. <laughs> be more masculine i guess but, but. i think like his history <laughs> about how he ties the birth of cocktail culture into like sporting culture and by oh, sporting yeah. i mean oh, yeah. gambling and, really? uh, and horse racing is is excellent and i think that he he truly is interested in in american history and in this this kind of r- culturally rich underbelly that yeah. is super fun to write about. Um, I think I have here, yeah, so he also has a big affection for writing about the Prince of Wales.
1: Yes, he does. You know?
0: Yeah. know, yeah, drinker as well. N-
1: uh, no, not at that time. Eddie, Prince Ed- Eddie. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, the the one who the is also, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, he's also the one who.
1: He toured America all over. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah,
0: with Hollis, yes, Simpson, Mm -hmm. something Simpson. Yes, yeah, and they have a little bit about the crown. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen the crown. You know the crown. (laughs) Yes, and uh, this is about when. uh, Yes, this is about uh, when he. Met Jerry, supposedly met Jerry Thomas, so they asked the the, the prince "Has he ever drunk a mint julep, sir?" No, the prince had not. Yes, he would. And here's the kicker: Thompson led the prince into a famous barroom presided over by no less famous Jerry Thomas, one of the great artists in his line or time. That's a direct quote. His royal highness, his royal highness watched the, quote, elaborate and picaresque style of manufacture practiced by the mixers of elixirs in those antebellum days with profound curiosity and admiration. Took a sip and said, why, it's only lemonade after all. Revised his opinion as the julep glow suffused him and pronounced it, quote, very, very nice. End no. of anecdotes. Aww. Now, if there were ever two people who should have met, they were the Prince of Wales and Jerry Thomas. They had much in common, from a deep curiosity into the composition of drinks to an interest in the operation of the rules of probability to an unshakable personal personal dignity leavened with humor. Drinking, well, gabbling, cute. and jokes. Yeah, exactly. That's but cute. that's how Wondrich writes. He's extremely smart. He's very eloquent. And... and and really into kind of like grabbing you by the coat sleeve and bringing you on a yeah, journey. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's awesome.
1: I mean, if you think about it, the title is Imbibe from the. T- in total, imbibed from absinthe cocktail to whiskey a salute and stories and drinks to the professor Jerry Thomas, pioneer of the American bar featuring the original formula. Um, I mentioned the long title because he's literally so inclusive about everything. So mm-hmm. it's a lively read for bartenders, cocktail enthusiasts, super humorous in most cases, historically informative about slings, just like good fizzes, toddies, sours. yeah.
0: And he's very funny. And he has a, a beautiful reverence for certain cocktails, like the Fish House Punch
2: which is, this is my favorite my punch yeah. yeah
0: this is his introductory paragraph about the drink the fish house punch is thrice blessed its name is memorable and strangely alluring its history is august and eccentric and its formula is delicious and deadly oh. the greatest of all american punches it deserves to be protected by law taught in schools and made a <laughs> mandatory part of every fourth of july celebration with dilute proportions given to those not yet of legal age so that they may be accustomed to its taste. Yeah.
2: yeah I mean I, just, I, I completely small agree.
1: beers kind of <laughs> yeah, mentality there, yeah, right? Beers, small beers, yeah,
0: small yeah, beers mixed
2: with,
1: with
0: lemonade.
2: <laughs> that drink is literally so good
0: though. It's dope. I, I love it. It's a great cocktail. Punch. Yeah. And it's good on a on an individual level. Yeah. And I've I have made it in long form punch too, and it's just fantastic. Rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in, like read punch too, because yeah. making punch is very, very difficult, but really, really satisfying if you get it right. Oh yeah. So the, the
1: full title for Punch is Punch: The Delights and Dangers, in quotes, uh, of the Flowing Bowl. So um, it's it is in short a uh, paragraph or two, maybe a whole chapter in Unbibe.
0: Oh, it's a whole chapter. It's a whole yeah. chapter in
1: Bibe, but it's an entire book here. So they dive deep into the history. Um, it kind of starts off with uh, with structure and style, but they go into the fact that it it really historically speaking was like a way for sailors to avoid scurvy, but more deliciously. So, mm-hmm. right. So you've got the daiquiri and the gimlet, which we mentioned before. And I think the second, first or second, also uh, the Roman social episode, aspect of it, right? Like the that's the other part hanging Yeah. Out
0: around the punch bowl. Yeah. Just like when you have a party and you invite everybody to your house, but then at the end of the party, everybody's in the kitchen. Like they're yeah. all just standing it's in the weird kitchen. how that happens, You've right? provided right. scene well, and music, but all of a sudden everybody's just nailing drinks. in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> that's almost
1: exactly how it happens. So it yeah. starts with sailors and then people that sailors are being employed by. So really landed gentry or Royals or just like higher ups in general, they start to be like, what, what do you got over there? What's that over there? It sounds really interesting. And they're like chugging it down. So they start to develop these like, more refined versions of the sailor's punch. Mm-hmm. Um, Dutch punch in particular are the ones that like the Dutch swear up, down, left, right, and center, that their punches are the best because it's made with things like brandy or adorak or yeah. rum punches don't really come along until later. That's mostly like post, well, during prohibition and post prohibition when like all these bartenders have this excess rum because you can only get one bottle of rye if you get six bottles of rum, um, which is kind of like an old school thing. Uh, uh, Do you think,
2: did the, did the Dutch sailors use, uh, Jennifer? Necessarity? Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer. Jennifer.
1: <laughs> did they use Jennifer in their punches? Uh, <laughs> I think they would. So I think they would just call that, it was like Dutch malt spirit is often yeah. what okay. it's called. Because yeah, yeah, like yeah. we. Mentioned in the podcast that it was a precursor to gin, but really it tasted closer to whiskey, which we also mentioned. Yeah, Um, They would have used a lot of that, and then they would have spiced it up with a lot of things that they would have had in the spice trade, nutmeg, cinnamon, anise. Yeah, you do Um, see nutmeg
2: is very popular in early
0: punches.
1: Yeah, and in the book Punch, um, it's...
0: Spice element. Spice element, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: argued that India kind of starts the punch, or generally speaking, the Asian regions start the punch, but it gets um, sent along via the English imperial...
0: Travels with the Navy. Travels
1: with the Navy. Yeah. yeah. That's why they and start you to get sailors. promoted
0: mm-hmm. on a boat if you could make a good punch.
1: Oh, yeah. Like oh, you yeah. could be like, oh, oh
0: now you're the oh, captain's oh, man. Oh. You're the
1: admiral. <laughs> <captain's laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they all enjoyed a good punch. Like literally every class by the time that the punch was the most popular, anyone and everyone could have punch. You can have cheap as heck gin punch uh, in, say, gin lane, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. or you could have it at the highest uh, um, possible.
0: Now, the poshest of social. Yeah, it, yeah.
1: the king Who queen, do you yeah, think
2: was yeah. more valued on the ship? The guy who could make the best punch or the cook?
0: Yes.
1: Punch. <laughs> the the punch. The punch, punch. Probably punch. Yeah. 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 I'm getting C6. So like the good. On that boat,
0: so. Like if you made good food, that doesn't nearly make up for bad punch as like good punch makes up for bad food.
2: That's very true, because even shitty food can taste good if you're drunk enough. <laughs> on good punch. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, so some of my favorite parts of wonder it's writing isn't necessarily about the history, but the way he elaborates small details. Um, for instance, there's a quick quip under the subheading, uh, Meriton Bantam punch, which is under the chapter of Arak punch, which is
0: one of my arguably favorite punches. Uh,
1: it's a costly ingredient. Here we mean an
0: Indonesian, uh, Dutch spirit, not the Anise based Middle Eastern spirit.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes, Cause
0: there's a big difference depending on what you're, where you're from or what you've experienced. If you hear us say Arak it's going to be one thing or another. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: A-R-R-A-C-K. Yes. I don't think they're spelled the same, so that should help.
0: Uh, I think the other is, I think it's just A-R-A-K.
1: Yeah. It's it been a while. Like Sorry Iraq. if I
0: messed mess that up.
1: Um, but under this uh, part, right, Arak is an incredibly costly ingredient. It came from the East. Sailors and privateers would find equal parts of joy in drinking it and pain in the expense of it. And uh, for such a lavish spirit, if people don't know, Batavia is um, a port on the Isle of java under the dutch east indies uh, which today corresponds to jakarta indonesia um in his research though he comes across an early english fiction writer richard head a hilarious non-diplume if it's not his real name (laughs) because the shorthand of richard (laughs) is dick um he's just a dickhead (laughs) who in his work uh the english rogue described in the life of mariton latrune a witty extravagant his notes put for witty extravagant read utter scumbag
0: Utter scumbag. Okay, not English, a sport. No, <laughs> no.
1: Utter scumbag. So, in the in the story, this expert swindler finds himself um, in unlikely events. He falls into a street called China Row, where he meets and marries an Indian Punch housekeeper, so that he can be supplied with two quarts of rack tea punch for the rest of his life.
0: The Indian Punch housekeeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's a hell
1: of a title. That's funding. a good one. <laughs> He's living the life, O'Reilly, as it were. <laughs> um stories like that are prevalent throughout the book
0: (laughs) to give you another example of his writing just to bring this back because the prince of wales cocktail is also another like kind of grapefruit based cocktail and this is from the description of the prince of wales cocktail but it's also kind of uh i was just reminded of it because of the way he talks about people um the prince was a pup A gay dog, a lech, a lush, a charming if stout son of a bitch. Said bitch being Queen Victoria. (laughs) He watched decade after decade roll by with her grasping the reins of power for dear life and nothing for him to do in the official line but wave to the nice folks. So he did what everybody else would have done. He got grumpy. He got loose. Mistresses and mischief ensued. He spent a lot of time at the table, the theater, and the club. He spent a lot of somewhere along there. He learned how to make a pretty fair variation on the improved whiskey cocktail. In fact, one of the sportiest on record. If his circumstances had been different, Albert Edward Prince of Wales would have made a hell of a bartender. He loves these characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, as a British historian, I try not to speak too much one way or the other about the royal family, but it sounds real reminiscent of certain other heirs to the throne who are waiting mm-hmm. maybe for their moms to die or just
0: whatever. know mm-hmm. hanging out. You but know, she's got the... <laughs> are they sporty? I heard of... What's his improved foods. whiskey cocktail taste like? Yeah. Nobody knows.
2: Yeah. I read an article or a headline for an article that said, like, now that the queen has COVID, she's like one heavy wind blow away from biting du- biting the dust. No.
1: <laughs> no, she's vaccinated. Come on, though. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: no, no. Yeah. Yes, Should with we alien embryonic, yeah. embryonic technology. Yeah, yeah. We saw were werewolves. Probably. <laughs> they'll Probably they'll never too. know. Doctor you Who fans find out know exactly right what I'm talking about. Before they kill you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, both of these books are super playful, incredibly fun. Honestly, uh, even if I wasn't into cocktails, I feel like I would enjoy reading it.
0: They're so fun. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Um, it's a little technical in some parts, so you'd kind of have to, like, glaze over it. But at the same time, it's really, really fantastic. The Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, however, is super technical in, in most parts, although still light in others. Less,
0: and, yeah? less a narrative-driven book and more a, use, a guide.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. A, it is
0: a reference piece first and foremost. It's
1: really an encyclopedia in a way. Yeah. It's in the same way that um, the Oxford Companion to Beer or Wine, because those have been published works, and like for food as well. Mm-hmm. But this companion, uh, the first in its kind in relation to high gravity alcohol. If you think about it, yes, which is kind of crazy because cocktails have been part of uh, social life since probably at least the 12th century, or for written records, the
0: 17th century. But a book like this has to hit when. You're still, when it's still a very viable part of the culture.
1: Like it's in a renaissance. And right.
0: A, and I didn't think, you know, like the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, that wasn't the time. No. And plus, you have to have two people who are willing to do all of the work to actually right. make yeah. an Oxford companion of anything. Or even
1: have cocktail historians, right? Because we talked Correct. about Jerry Thomas having been one of the first written, uh, first to write down, excuse me, recipes, but he wasn't really a historian in any way. He just, no, you know, he was hyping recipes and a, himself. Yeah, 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 a point to write yeah. it down. Yeah. I was the
0: guy who did this first. So come yeah. to my bars.
1: So that was yeah. So I mentioned before. So that's Wondrich and then Noah Rothbaum, and they did put forth a huge amount of effort. I think mm. there's over one
0: thousand
1: two hundred cocktail recipes in this book. Yeah, oh, it's Lord. such awesome. That is a, that is
2: a beast of awesome
0: a book. Awesome reference. Yeah, yeah. that's so say. good. Yeah, that's I was just rabbi. checking.
1: I was checking my notes to see if I had more, but I, like I didn't really read it yet. I'm super excited too, but at the same time, yeah, it. I got no much.
0: Else. I just don't really think it can be. Kind of understated how big of an impact that his writing has had on the industry. Oh, yeah. It, you know, the books came out when I was a younger bartender. I had had a couple of years of doing actual cocktail work under my belt when this happened because I came to it late after my undergrad. I didn't start working in like a decent bar until after I had already graduated from Western. The bar I worked at at Western was, you know, it was a shot and beer bar, and I worked at an Irish pub, but we didn't do a lot of cocktails. Mm-hmm. So, there are people who had put reference books out there that we didn't, I didn't have anywhere else to go to, to get any sort of reference point for my own builds for cocktails, Ted Haig's book, forgotten cocktails and vintage spirits, um, David Wondrich's book. And honestly stuff like as silly as it sounds, the difference guide where you yeah. have, or Simon Difford, this UK bartender was just publishing everything, like every single recipe he could possibly find yeah. and putting it out there. And so, Oh my gosh, some of these, UK cocktails that were popular in the 90s are horrific sounding. (laughs) Lots of
2: Midori. Yeah, so
0: much Midori, (laughs) Blue Crystal, really, really, really stupid names, and obviously just massive party drinks. I, I yeah. think if I were drinking cocktails in the Britpop era, it would have been very bad.
2: For me. The Shagadelic Cosmo.
0: Yeah, the Shagadelic <laughs> Cosmo. Like
1: tiki cocktails, for instance, kind of span the time, but because some of those do have a lot of juice or sort of well, and you also got these generally likable,
0: regardless. And that's a niche that I think everybody had. That that they fire was small, yeah, yeah still, by the people who were yeah. just really into that kind of cocktail. Yeah. But the stories in the history were massive because it also spoke to the build and the ingredients. Oh, that's yeah. what makes Wondrich's writings so invaluable if you're if you're getting into this type of work because everything he writes about the history and how the drinks came to be is also tied into how they're made and why yeah. they're made the way that they are and he's got lots of excellent stuff about the type of sugar or the type of yeah. for yeah. for prep items right. or
1: uh, why a cordial is more than just juice and like yeah. sugar like yeah. All what's that stuff. the point of that and why do we dilute it to a certain degree mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: And these templates for these drinks, these builds and, and families and categories are the, the type of thing that you have to build a foundation for right. so that you can go and make new drinks. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You got to know how to make your daiquiris and your Manhattans and your old fashions and your juleps. And yeah. Your,
0: yeah. Your slings and your... And all of it's very, very entertaining. So yeah. if if you're a reader...
1: Yeah. Entertaining. And also like, I I made a point to add to my notes that he's also someone who's adamantly pulling for the cocktail industry and craft spirits movement. Like since the nineties, he's been getting serious about the work, but he's also a patient type. Like he understands that there's going to be cocktail declines in these periods where people only want high alcohol and you can only work with the ingredients you have. So if he's going to go to a sports bar, he's not necessarily be like this Manhattan's drinking. Yeah,
0: exactly. You
1: know, he knows he's in a sports bar or whatever it is, or that. You know, you haven't read these articles yet, or or found this information yet, so you're just working with the best that you got. But I mean, for himself, he's won tons of awards, so he's he's not only like great at writing, but he's practiced as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's won. He's a five-time Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award winner, once in 2008 for Best New Cocktail Book and Vibe, and 2009 for Best Cocktail and Spirits Writer for some of his article work with like um, Esquire and Daily Beast. 2011, he gets the uh, Best New Cocktail Bartending Book again for Punch, um, Spirits Writer again, and then in 2021, most recently, he got it for Best Podcast, Broadcast, or Online Video Series for Life Behind Bars, which he... Um, co-hosts with noah rothbaum the the writer
0: guy from that he did for oxford Oxford
1: companion yeah fantastic
2: name for a podcast too Uh,
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. and he also influences a bunch of dudes into buying a bunch of vests and tie pins and waxing their mustaches and like essentially looking the part which is an interesting thing about this this industry which i think is like kind of
1: imbibe kind of it's a fun book because when that came out almost every bar that called itself a speakeasy bar started to reevaluate what that meant yes it's not just a hidden bar right. or like yeah. a bar that's connected to a restaurant but it's, it's all started bars. to become so about the mood and the
0: culture too yeah but then you get something that's Sometimes really dangerous right yeah. because it, it you can do a lot of surface level stuff but if the drinks and the service aren't good then
1: enjoy your instagram photos and never come back exactly again. Yeah. right yeah. so
0: yeah. it. <laughs> His influence is like anybody who's super influential. His influence is very interesting to di- dissect because yeah. you get a lot of people who um, know the words but not the music, essentially. Fair. Yeah, you know, fair. And who who are re- doing everything on a, on a on a surface level very very correct to give you a sense of nostalgia and a sense of otherworldliness when you step into their bar but then you're paying $15 for a cocktail that isn't any good.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting way to put so You it. have to balance it. The nostalgia is also, so he's also um, co-founder of the American, uh, sorry, the museum of the American cocktail in New Orleans and Louisiana, which I we went to recently. So he and Dale DeGroff uh, basically set that up with others to contribute, obviously, but you know, his, his uh, writing and his work obviously influences tons of people, but he wants there to be, resources literally anywhere and everywhere yes, right, to like yeah. understand the change. So he wrote, he wrote a lot about why ice was super important, why the shaker modified, why it's no longer just the, the Boston glass and the, mm-hmm. you know, how it changed over time. He has a collection of um, strainers, I think, just as a personal you know, yeah. thing, but
2: I was gonna say, I th- I'm pretty sure there's like a whole like little section in imbibe just about strainers. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's something he's yeah.
1: personally fascinated with and the way that they do or do not allow ice to be added to the drink after yeah. shaking. Like I get it. That totally makes sense to me. Absinthe spoons are things that I've started to think I should start. Cl- I, you should. Will collect. I think I might. Yeah. <laughs> they get really interesting. Yeah. It could be like a space cat yeah. one. Very, and no one would know. Very ornate too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Excellent. So I think, um, Maybe that we need to at least have one more read uh, from the imbibe book because I think this section is absolutely hilarious. And then also there's a cocktail I want to talk about too. We'll get into in a second, but um, going back to vermouth. yes, This is how he opens his section on the Manhattan cocktail. So the vermouth cocktail is no doubt a fine thing. Offering, as it does, a bold presence on the palate while still being low in impact. He's talking about a a drink that has as its base vermouth. Perhaps the impact is too low. You go to all the trouble of hitching your foot up on the rail, engaging Ed in conversation, supervising his movements as he dashes and splashes and waltzes everything around with ice, and the straining and the twisting and the sliding and the pain, and what do you get for your 15 cents? Something with no more kick to it than the little glass of sherry your maiden aunt takes when the fantods have got her. (laughs) But what if you put a stick in it? Rye, gin, brandy, it doesn't matter. Just a little something to make you feel like you've had a drink. That's one possibility. On the other hand, there's this one. The whiskey or gin or brandy cocktail is no doubt a fine thing. Offering as it does a smooth presence on the palate while still being high in impact, perhaps too high. You go to all the trouble of hitching your foot up on the rail and all the rest and what do you get for your 15 cents? Drunk, that's what. The problem with these things is they go down so easy that you want to treat your throat to a couple or three just to show your appreciation for the fine job it's been doing you. But the next thing you know, it's next Thursday, and you're in Oakland with what feels like three black eyes and an anchor tattooed on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you turned the damper down a little, took that new vermouth stuff, plenty flavorful, but no John L. Sullivan, and replaced some of the booze with it? Maybe you could have a drink or two without all the vaudeville. And that That's is a vaudeville. excellent yeah. <laughs> excerpt into... The history and his general idea of yeah. what, of that time and drinking, which is excellent. And then they have this awesome bit at the end of the book where they do – where he basically got a bunch of super famous bartenders to do a cocktail in the Jerry Thomas style, right? And they oh, were cool. all going to yeah, do these little fun. tributes to, to Jerry Thomas. That's awesome, yeah. It is, yeah. And um, one of my favorites, which is just so insane, is Gaz Regans because he did something called the – Parentheses, almost, end parentheses, blow my skull off, which is <laughs> two ounces of cognac and a half ounce each of peach schnapps and a half ounce of Jägermeister, oh. which sounds oh. I've never, oh. ever tried one. Oh. And I'm, I'm going to do it someday, but it sounds <laughs> just insane. Just some,
1: like a nib of Jägermeister. Yeah, yeah. but
0: oh. wonder to cocktail, which I guess he did assemble people to go to Jerry Thomas's grave, shake up, drink. At the gravesite, and then pour one out oh, in tribute for the uh, homies is the Tombstone cocktail, which is basically not even a cocktail. It's two ounces of hundred proof or hundred and one proof rye whiskey, which I woo-hoo, hope that he means Rittenhouse <laughs> or Wild Turkey, a teaspoon of rich syrup, and two dashes of Angostura bitters, shaken. A
1: shaked, Good old fashioned, fashioned in a way. Basically,
0: High it's just ish, so stupid yeah. and simple and tastes awesome.
2: That's what we call metal as fuck. Yeah. Like
0: (laughs) why all the nonsense? That was the tombstone cocktail. His tribute to uh, Jerry Thomas.
1: I wonder if he made all of his, uh, BAR, the bar program, um, students do that as well. You (laughs) know know. what I mean? Like everyone just after class goes over there. It's like a five day intensive course he uh, wrote with Dale. And and he's buried in uh, uh, New
0: York. He's buried in New York.
1: York. Yeah. 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 Apparently a fine little cemetery. I remember listening Mm -hmm. to him say in an interview, Um, Until they plow it over and put it in a
2: Starbucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't know, bar program, it's uh, it's an acronym. So it's Beverage Alcohol Resource, um, something that he developed with some others in 2005 just to help people become better, more educated bartenders. Continuing uh, influence in the industry, really. Huge proponent of education.
0: Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is.
1: As an academic, that naturally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We did a good coverage. That's our wrap up. I yeah. So. yeah. Well, I
0: thank you, Mr. Yeah. Wondrich for, um, I mean, with this, uh, this show honestly could have been three hours long. We could have talked about yeah, all cool. of these books and delved into all these recipes. And there's so much to learn just from the stuff that he's put down on paper, let alone his podcast, which is ridiculously informative. So or you know, the other
1: bartender, like bartender at large and all those other podcasts that he's been featured on. Just yeah, not even just
0: exactly. Before. Yeah. You know, so from one small corner <clears throat> of Michigan, Thanks a bunch. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Heavy metal. Heavy metal <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, he's still a rock star does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh that's it from Bar Talk. Cheers myself, Courtney, and Mark. Cheers. Yes. 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 Yeah. And uh we'll see you on the flip. Thank you.
2: On the flip flip. <laughs>
0: Later. Where are my red M&Ms?
2: <laughs> in a goblet
0: on the table. The talent is always very. Um, it's just that I don't ask for much. I want them in prime number, uh, uh denominations. Like I can take thirteen of them, but not okay.
1: fourteen.
0: Not fourteen. Absolutely not. Twenty-one. No. Fifty-three. But okay. I, I want, I want, I want the M&Ms. Hmm, maybe sitting around and doing nothing to contribute to a show <laughs> is helping you rest your needs.